0: Hey everybody, Doug here, one of the host, producers, and creators of the genre of Light podcast, bringing you a review roundup bonus episode this week. Happy August to you all. Hope you had a great July. Hope you're staying cool out there. Wishing you all a great month ahead. Uh, on this week's bonus episode, I'll be reviewing Netflix's new movie, They Clone Tyrone, as well as my quick thoughts and reaction to season three, uh, Rector's Gemstones, one of my favorite shows starring Dan McBride, which is on uh, HBO, streaming on Max. I'm a big Dan big fan. Shows like Eastbound and Down, Rice Principals are one of my favorite shows of all time. So I'm very excited to review both these projects for you. Um, as always, guys, you can find the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform of choice. We'll have up a full audio version of the show on our YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Midway Avenue Productions. While you're there, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or YouTube. Hit that follow subscribe button. Leave a review, leave a rating helps us out so much. As always, guys, thank you so much for your support. And if you're going to the stray screen that we were kind of sponsoring this summer, say hi to, say hi to Nick and I. We'll be at the next screen, which is, I believe, August 9th in Scottsdale at Camelview. So, you are in the Phoenix area. You're able to go on these screenings. Say hello to us. We'll be there next next Wednesday. Uh, looking forward to seeing that movie. Looking forward to seeing you guys there. So, I hope you enjoy. All right. Let's get into it, shall we? So, I want people to go on this movie as blind as they can because I try to avoid trailers sometimes as well. Um, but I knew this one had uh, uh, Jimmy Foxx. John Boyega, Tiana Paris, who are three phenomenal actors. Three three of my favorite working actors today, if you ask me. Um, Lucky Minton White. The Clint Tyrone is basically about set, set in modern day, I would say. And it's basically these three characters um, find themselves in a very strange and very eerie situation of what's real and what's not real, basically. And something seems kind of fishy. Is the government involved? Who's involved? What's going on in the neighborhood? Um, Again, that's all I'm going to say because, again, I want to get as spoiler-free as possible. Um, But, yeah, let's get into it, shall we? So, starting off with the pros, I think John Boyega is a phenomenal actor. I think I've been a fan of him. Me and Joel have actually been been fans of him since uh, we saw him in Attack the Block in 2011. We're like, who is this kid? This kid has charisma. And sure enough, he was casted in... Uh, the, the reboots of Star Wars, I do think uh, his performance was great. in all three movies, but I think they did his character very really dirty in the last uh, two movies. But he was phenomenal in uh, Force Awakens, which is one of my favorite Star Wars movies of all time. John Boyega has so much charisma, man. He's very, he's very charmed him. And I love seeing, you know, he has a lot of range, too, as an actor, which is, again, stuff like Detroit, Attack the Block, this, Star Wars, um, you know, the list goes on and on. He really is a phenomenal actor. Um, and it's really impressive to see how he loses really thick British accent, to see how to gone different American, Americanized accents, and it's very, very impressive. Um, but yeah, John Boyega, to me, really is someone to look out for as a, as, a, as a star, if you ask me. And you know, Jamie Foxx, to me, is one of my heroes. He's one of my idols since I was a kid. You know, his sibling, his sister had Down syndrome as... My brother has Down syndrome. You know, I idolize this guy. I think he's one of the most talented people in the world. He can do it all. He can sing. He can rap. He can act. He can do comedy. He can dance. He really is so charismatic, and he's just really just a charming dude. Um, so he's one of my one of my heroes, one of my idols. And you know, again, seeing him how he interacted with uh, Down uh, Special Olympics, our best buddies, that was very inspiring to me as a sibling with Down syndrome. Has Down syndrome. It was just really, just really like wow. Like he's just like me for real. And I was really sad when I found out that his sister passed away because he really was involved with the community. He's a very spark of life. And I'm really glad he's doing better. You no, know, he had a bit of a health scare for the past couple of months. So I'm really glad to see him back and running again. He's one of, this one of the night, this most good dudes I think feel like in the world, especially in Hollywood. So uh much love to Jamie Fox and Tiana Paris too. You know, I first saw her in Chirac. I'll be, I'll be Frank. Me and Joelle, one of the few movies that we walked out of because we were like, yeah, this depicts Chicago not in the best light. I was still living in Chicago at the time and didn't depict Chicago in the best light. Personally, I know Chance the Rapper kind of spoke about it. A lot of people were like, this isn't Chicago. You Spike Lee, who I, who I do think is a phenomenal filmmaker, just kind of like just, I don't know, he wasn't telling the right story about Chicago and then he, he, he came from Chicago too. So it's kind of like, eh, it's not your story to tell. But I thought she was good in it despite me walking out of the movie. I still finished it eventually, maybe a few years later. And I thought she was really good in it. I think I, I first saw her more as a star was in uh, one Division, I'm like, oh, this, she has a lot of chops as well. And I think in this movie, too, she's phenomenal in this because she has a different kind of like element to a different layer to her character out of, out of all three of them, which are very really fun to watch. But yeah, so basically, Don Boyga plays a drug dealer, uh, Jimmy Fox plays a pimp, and um, Deanna Paris plays a prostitute. And it's basically them kind of like noticing something in the neighborhood in their town, like something's kind of up. What's going on here? And strange things happen left and right. It's a very kind of like. Um, to R take on X Files with a, with a splash of Stranger Things. I called it. This is how I called it personally. All three of them. I think this. I think this is like um, Sorry to Bother You, Oblivion movie Oblivion with Tom Cruise and Stranger Things with the touch of the show Atlanta, uh, Don Glover show Atlanta, one of my favorite shows of all time. Yeah. So Oblivion, Sorry to Bother You, Stranger Things. And a touch of Atlanta. It's a very it's the best way I could, I can probably pitch this movie, but it's so intri- it's really intriguing like how they kind of like kept things certain secret and a lot of twists and turns I want to give away, but it's a really movie you gotta watch and like, oh wait a second, and I can't wait really to watch it again because I want to see more things. Things things I, I missed out on the first on the first watch. Um Jimmy Fox, again, it's the dialogue to me is very, very clever. It's very funny, it's a very sci-fi comedy very eerie kind of take on the genre itself and it's like how these different genres kind of work together is very very done well um the dialogue's hilarious if you ask me um i love like they do look up of like referencing random movie quotes, like stuff you haven't heard of in years. Like, oh, I forgot about that movie. No way. Or certain actors you haven't heard from in a while. And like funny like Denzel quotes here and there. And I was like, oh, this is, this is hilarious. And I do love when movies kind of reference other movies. And it's very kind of like, oh, these were written by kind of film fans, like film nerds. Because you can tell like, oh, they're they're a fan of movie making, filmmaking, different genres. Um, I do feel like it's also the movies, the love letter to uh, Spike Lee a little bit. I think, I think Spike Lee has really, really, has um, an impact on a lot of filmmaking, uh, especially in black cinema but I think speck Lee really is a as, a as a filmmaker that really kind of just like broke the ground on a lot of things a lot of storytelling and I think this also was kind of a love letter to him and what he brought to the table as a filmmaker um, as a, a, a tour as they call, as they say um and also really funny again if you got, if you listen to dialogue very 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 like, with such distinct you'll catch up on a lot of like certain references i was like huh no way there's a dexter laboratory show reference i'm like that's hilarious because again it's a very very kind of like out there deep cut references but you get them they're very rewarding to very rewarding for you as a as a as a um as a viewer if you ask me um love getting said the mystery genre and the sci-fi really work together very well you know i'm a big fan of like genre bending genre kind of like hybrid type of movie storytelling because it's very fresh it's very unique it's very kind of like oh this is new i like this you know we we live in the era of this everything's a remake a reboot a sequel whatever so i do love seeing stuff a that's original but b that it's it can it can bend it can you know merge genres very well together um again i love jimmy fox is very kind of again as i said he's one of my idols it's just very fun to see him in a role kind of like letting loose and he has kind of his pimp voice is very funny too, because it's like he he seems welcoming, but is he threatening? I don't know. It's very funny. But really all three of them have fantastic chemistry. Both Tiana, the, Tiana, John Boyega, and Jamie Foxx really have just like phenomenal chemistry. And it shows the movie too. You know, you'll see in movies a lot too of like, yeah, they don't even work that well together. I mean, it's fine. Like they seem kind of believable. They have great chemistry. Where like it's it it brings you in to the moment they're all introduced together on the screen. I'm like, okay, I'm in, I'm on board. Let's go for it. And I do think that, that the entire movie that chemistry is very strong throughout the entire film. Even at the end, you're just like, yep, that worked. And I I've been seeing a lot of stuff recently this summer with, with like Indiana Jones or stuff like Transformers or even The Flash too. That chemistry isn't it's been to me is more of like a oh it didn't really work for me. Like example was Indiana Jones this past summer with him and Phoebe Waller Bridge, both great. Uh, performances from both of them I still feel the chemistry or, or like the interaction between Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge and I was like I wish it could have been stronger or could have been written better but with this this truly felt like okay, the chemistry through all three of them is very strong it's very gold it's like this is this is why it works um again original we live in an era of, again live in an era of summer in a summer of remakes and reboots and sequels and big stuff like that to me this was Again, I wish this movie was in theaters. I think this would have crushed in theaters, if you ask me. Because I think the movie theaters definitely need an original voice, uh, an original story, you know, with three great actors. But it would have came out the same weekend as Barbie and Oppenheimer, which would have not probably been good for the film or the actor. So I get why you wanted to on streaming. I get it. But if they were if they were able to hold it a little bit or different time, or at least a little bit earlier, I think it would have crushed in theaters personally because there's so much to like this movie. You're just like this would have been a great movie to see with a crowd and an audience. So I don't know. That's just me personally as a big you know, pro-theatrical uh, person. There's a lot to this. I was like, man, this would have been cool to see on a big, big screen. Um, but, or my case. Um, you know, the costume and production design to me is great in this because it really, I think it's all unique and it's so different. You're like, huh, I haven't seen this before in a movie or I haven't seen it in a long time. It's Everyone has their own distinction as a character. Don Buega does, Tiana Paris does, as well as... Um, Jamie Fox and I'm like, huh? They really crafted their wardrobe really well to each of their characters, and it's not like too flashy. It's subtle, but has some kind of like flashy, and kind of like slickness and coolness to it, which I really liked about it as well. And the production design was really fascinating. Again, without giving much away, but like when they when they when they certain kind of reveal certain things, I was like, oh, this is really cool how they designed this or set this up because it, it it kind of made me feel like this certain movie or this movie. I'm like, oh, again, it could be a callback to those movies as well, but. It's really cool how they kind of crafted this uh, some of these production sets and some of the set design. Um, at times, too, it kind of felt, it felt like a John Carpenter movie at times. It really kind of felt like early John Carpenter, like Escape from New York kind of vibe. You're like, oh, this is cool. And it, and it could be paying homage to it, but that's the vibe I was getting really well. Like, oh, this is a love letter to a lot of other movies, like I said Spike Lee. But for sure getting a John Carpenter vibe as well, as well as a Stranger Things kind of vibe. Again, I like this a lot. Again, when you blend them, when you blend genres, you kind of like take inspiration from other filmmakers and you work them well. That's awesome if you ask me. I love that. Um, I want to give a shout out to um, the writing and directing too. You know, I love seeing, you know, new talent, new talent, uh, young filmmakers getting their chance. Whether it's a movie like this which is on Netflix or in the in the big screen, to me, it's refreshing to see young talent really get their shine. And I want to shout out the director, Jewel Taylor, who I think has a great career ahead of him. He co-wrote creed 2 which is one of my favorite movies in the rocky rocky and creed franchise he did write space jam 2 which i'm not the biggest fan of there's some moments i thought was okay i don't think it was as bad as people gave it but it's no original space jam if you ask me and i think he also wrote some like uh, additional work for stuff like uh transformers i believe the movie missing which i highly recommend on netflix um jewel taylor to me again young talent young filmmaker really knew how to uh, handle all these different genres into one movie, and now I get great performances out of John Boyega, uh, Jamie Foxx, Keanu of Paris, and to me, it shows like, hey, this kid, this guy really has a great career, ahead, great career ahead of him because he was able to do all this together. This is his first movie he ever directed too. He wrote a lot of stuff before. This is the directorial debut, and I love watching kind of like first-time directors kind of find their genre, find their groove. Whether it was Jordan Peele and Get Out, whether it was John Krasinski and um, Quiet Place, Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird. I love seeing young filmmakers and their first movie because it feels like okay, this is my starting point. Where do I go from here? Like Jordan Peele did with Get Out, Us, and Nope. Greta Gerwig did with um, Lady Bird, Little Woman and Al Barbie. It's to me just I loved. I just I just really love seeing uh, actor uh, directors start, start see what they start in their first movie and evolve. And I'm very curious to see what he does next as a filmmaker and as a writer because again, I think he has a lot of um, a lot of good things in store for us. I think as a filmmaker, so. I think his direction was superb. It was very tight. And I think his writing with his writing partner, um, Tony Renemeyer. they've worked together before, I think on stuff like Space Jam and um, also Transformers and Missing and Transformers as well. I think Searching as well, they worked on together. Uh, you can tell they worked really well together as writers. I think, you know, as a writer myself, I worked up with all time with Joelle or Moses or Nick, some other friends too. If you have a bond with someone as a writer, it's a bond for life. And If you can write well, you can write well with that certain person. It shows up how creative you can be together and how more creative you can be when you have a great writing partner. Whether it's a show, whether it's a movie, whether it's a podcast, whether it's you know um, audio book, whatever, art book itself, it shows that you have a good collaboration with this person. And you can do a lot of good things with them because a lot of people do write solo, and that's totally fine. It, a, lot, a lot of filmmakers do, but there's a lot of beauty in the craft to writing things together with a co-writer or a team of co-writers. I think having a partner or two is very kind of like more tighter. But when you have but you, when you do have that kind of writing partner, you're kind of like set for life, if you ask me. Like, a, like Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg, who did the Cornetto trilogy, World's End, Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead. It shows that you can work well with someone and you can, br- you can really bring great ideas to both of each other. Like, hey, hey, tells was the neck all the time. Hey, is this idea pretty cool? Nah, that's right. How about this? Oh, cool. You bring good out of each other, which is very important in the writing collaborative process because each of you bring something different to the table and very similar things as well. But you can like collaborate on that, and also kind of just like, oh, like this more, I like this better. Let's fix this. It's a very collaborative effort. I do think um, him and these two these two writers worked phenomenal together, if you ask me. Um, so we we'll give a shout out to them as well. But yeah, I I think this movie really is like something special. It's really cool to see certain actors pop up too. And again, the the, jo- the genre bending and the and the acting to me is really the storytelling to me are the big strong suits of this movie because I'm like, wow. These all work together so well on the same level, too. Not one work better than the other. I think they all worked equally as good. But I go from cons, always. The cons I will say, though, you know, we live in this kind of era now, to of uh, more people want to shoot on film or use film to like a filter. Like, again, you see stuff like Oppenheim that Chris Nolan shot a movie on film and things like Stranger Things. You kind of try to use film, I try to use film certain, like, uh, not filters or different lenses. And it looks, it looks really filterized. I do think that this movie, they use too much grain. And I'm pretty sure it's on digital. And you can tell, like, they put, like, a film filter over the movie. And the first hour and a half, first hour, I was like, oh, this is too much. Like, you should dial it back a little bit or not use it at all. But they're trying to, because they're trying to, like, have a message of, like, oh, look at this. It's art scene film. I get it. It is really cool. But it really – it kind of takes away from the movie itself and the quality a little bit. So I'm like, I can't really see too much of the movie. And it was too, like, it was too grainy at times. I'm like, what's that again? Like, what's he, what is this? And it takes away from the movie itself. So I was like, yeah, you can use it, but don't overdo it if you ask me. Again, that's just me personally. I'm like, ah, it's cool. But when you, when you overuse it, it kind of takes away from the purpose of using it and the movie itself. Um, sound mixing too. I think there's times where they're talking. And certain sounds are, the background sound are louder than the dialogue. And i either raise my volume or have captions on because I was like, what? What are they saying? Or rewind it, whatever. I was like, oh, okay. So I do think, I think it's a lot more too in movies the past year or so was that the sound mixing has to like either have to balance out each other really well or it can be one can be louder than the other because I something recently too. I think it was. I mean, Ninja Turtles is something where it was like the sound and dialogue were not on the same level. It was like, oof, this is not good. And sometimes a podcast, I'm learning more about this every episode we do is that, hey, we gotta make sure the sound and sound not, not like one isn't too loud than the other. We make sure it's on the same level. But I'm seeing a lot more in big pictures of big movies of like, yeah, the sound and dialogue are not mixing well. So there are times on this movie where I'm like, oh, the sound mixing kind of bothering me. You gotta fix the, fix the sound or enhance the dialogue a bit more because I can't hear what they're saying. Um, I do think there's something that I was like, okay, I kind of grew to it, but it's a con that I think the people got noticing too, but I haven't too much of an issue with. It's not like really too much spoiler, but they don't really tell you what year or what town they're in. They mention other towns, like actual towns in, in, the, in, in the States, but they don't really mention like what year it is because you'll see like people using flip phones, people using an iPhone at one point. And I was like, oh, certain technologies present. You're like, oh, okay. So I, I guess maybe it's the. I mean, I read from the, from the director that he wanted to like have the audience like, hey, you decide where you decide where this is, um, you decide where this is take where this takes place, what year it takes place. And I'm like, huh, interesting. I was kind of put in my head. I was like, when does this take place? I mean, they're showing certain things and they mentioned certain movies. And I was like, I, I guess, but. That to me at first I was kind of like, uh, I would, let's make more clear explanation of where and when this is. But after reading the article with the director, I was like, I guess I could like make your own, you make your own preference. But I think it could have been coolest to have some kind of like slight like, hey, it takes place, this is the year, blah blah blah. So, but that's again, it's a little nitpicking personally. But you know, again, As much much I love John Muega, he has this really great grill in this in this in this movie. But sometimes when he's when he's talking with the grill. He's kind of like mumbling his words, or kind of like just not like enunciating. I think the grill is kind of like blocking him from from like saying his dialogue. And I was, and but it's only in certain scenes. In other scenes you can understand him, but when the grill is kind of like really present, it's, he's kind of muttering his words, and I'm like, maybe it's too tight, maybe maybe it wasn't adjusted correctly. But I did notice that a lot. I was a few times I was like, ooh, I can't hear what he's saying. Captions, captions, or raise the volume. But I do think at one time, he hasn't even said inaudible dialogue. So I was like, uh-oh. So maybe that to me, I was kind of like, fix the girl a little bit. It looks really cool if it's his character, but I can't hear what he's saying. I was like, oh, okay. Um, it, yeah, it's hard to hear dialogue. I again, my big, I think my big con too was that the theatrical. this would have been a great movie in theatrical. I do think this movie would have killed theatrically. I think this was a Netflix movie from the beginning. And I get that. But I think this movie would have been really important to see this movie in theaters with a, you know, with a great cast and you know rising stars in uh, you know of Paris and um, John Boyega and you know the, the legend as Jimmy Foxes. I think they, this would have brought in a lot of uh, audiences. And personally, I do think we got to support more original movies like this that we can get theatrical release stuff like this because you know, Netflix ain't doing it. Netflix is like, nope, we tried, and they only they only give their movies a chance in theaters. If you ask me, so it would have been cool to see this in theaters. Um, the twist like give it a much away the twist to me i was like okay i got bored with it but yeah it's questionable where it seems we are kind of like oh, it's a little too that's a little too easy like oh it's a little too like oh okay it's a little too like uh too uh, not attainable but it's like okay it's a little too close to too easy to like understand all right but like it's a, it's a it's a plot hole that i was like seen before all the movies i'm like it's a little too like convenient it does work it's a little too convenient i was like oh, okay but didn't it didn't it doesn't bother me too much i thinking about the movie but i still would have been i still thought like wait that was just too easy for that thing to happen i'm like this could this could have been different or like uh eh. but i could be nitpicking a little bit but it did bother me at the end where i was like oh, it's it was good the twist was interesting i, I liked the twist but the way they handled the twist after i was like oh Okay, I guess, whatever. But I'll tell you what, when the movie ends, there's another twist. And I say, oh, man, it just ends. You're just like, oh, man, this adds something. That's I'm more intrigued now. Will they do a sequel? Maybe. But it's really how they end this movie on a, on, a, on a twist is like, I like that. It's a very clever way they ended that. So I'm giving this a 9 out of 10. It's one of my favorite movies of the year so far, if you ask me. Again, original, original filmmaking is very important for us support and to see either to watch on Netflix or streaming whatever and also I do love giving you know new talent John Buega Tana Paris and uh, Jewel Taylor and his co-writer Tony really getting props for creating an original movie in the summer but having some great performances mixing the genres really well Great soundtrack, great score too. It was very kind of funky, very groovy, and again, the humor to me it worked a lot. I was laughing at my ass off on a lot of stuff. I was like, "This is hilarious!" So then able to to, to to handle comedy, sci-fi, mystery, thriller, all this together, I was like, "Man, this is really, really cool." And it had a little bit of a throwback to I think to me it was a little bit of a uh, I took the block weekend, which is John was the kind of first big role as an actor. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of call back to that as well, but. Really, this movie is very, very, very special, if you ask me. So, definitely recommend seeing this um, on, on Netflix right now. It's been able to stream. Yeah, 9 out of 10. One of my top 10 of the year so far. I can't wait for be able to watch this movie because it's very, very special and great performances uh, throughout. All right. So, as I said, too, in the episode, uh, you know, Dan McBride, to me, is one of my favorite actors. I think, yes, he plays a schmuck and a bit of an unlikable jerk in most of his stuff. But, you know, I think with his shows, Eastbound... Vice Principals and you know, Gemstones, he brings these kind of really kind of goofy concepts, but like kind of like like really intrigued by all three of them. Like, okay, a baseball, baseball player that like, you know, that has been, but was, was kind of road to redemption again, or two Vice Principals who will hate each other are fighting for the same job. They have formed an alliance in Vice Principals, or in Gemstones, family by televangelists who are just really privileged and very kind of just wealthy kind of like have crazy adventures. Like, it's really kind of weird how he has how these he, certain, like, ideas, but they work so well in, all, in, each, of his, in each of his films, uh, each of his series. And I think, you know, he's also trying to expand his stuff with his co-writer and co-partner, David Gordon Green, who they, they did uh, both they did all three Halloweens together. I love the first Halloween they did together in 2018. It was awesome. I love that. It's really a special place in my heart. It's a very special. Sequels, kills, and ends, yeah, it was fine. I still enjoy them for what they were. I know they were kind of, like, divided and very kind of divisive between fans or whatever, but... I think they were terrible. I still had fun with them personally, and now I think the writing and writing and producing. I know the. I think David Gordon Green's directing the new Exorcist, which I'm really hyped for because it's the same guys, again, same team again. So I hope they have a lot of like luck with this franchise as well. But again, big Dan McBride fan all the way from the Foot Fist Way to Pineapple Express. This is the end. Big fan of him. So I again, Vice Principals is my favorite show of all three of them between Vice Principals, Gemstones, and Eastbound and Down. Gemstones, the first two seasons to me are perfection. I think they're hilarious. They allow lot of good emotion to it. They have a lot of heartfelt moments for this really raunchy, ra- raunchy TV MA uh, televangelist story. But the performances from everyone from uh, Adam Devine, uh, Dave McBride, John Goodman I'm blanking on his sister's name, who, 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 who plays a sister. Um, everyone really kind of brings something special and it's a very kind of like raunchy but heartfelt series. Um, and I, again, even in, even in vice principals too, there's a lot of raunchiness, a lot of kind of like crude and rude humor. Uh, Edie Patterson plays his sister in Judy Gemstone. So again, Edie Patterson as well. It's every show he does, he brings emotion within the crude and raunchiness of it all, and it really works if you ask me. Season three though, I thought was very well, not different, but it was different. It was but it was definitely different to its own way. Where I think the first two seasons were stronger because they established both, both season one and season two. Like giving spoilers away. The first two seasons kind of established what the show, what the season's gonna be right away. I'm like, oh, I like that. Season three, I think, kind of had a problem with like saying what it was gonna be and then establish like the story arc maybe two or three in. I was like, okay, I guess this is where it's going. I felt I enjoyed the season for sure, but I thought the first two seasons, I I enjoyed them more. I I kind of felt more like, ooh, I felt more interested in the stories where this one, I was like, okay yeah like there's some like backstory to the gemstones and the family members get get, get reintroduced whatever and i'm like okay that's a story but the way the other two seasons had their story arc i was like yeah i'm way more intrigued i was way more intrigued with those two storylines and how they progressed than this one steve zahn is kind of like the quote-unquote antagonist of this season i'm a big steve zahn fan from you know that thing you do all the way from yeah you know, in the wimpy kid movies you know um saving silverman my favorite movies too it's really, again, I think he's a great actor, but he's great in the White Lotus as well, season one. But to me, I liked him, but he didn't really add anything to this, to the season or to the series. Where in the last two episodes, last two seasons, I was like, yeah, I felt more, I felt more in- interested in the quote unquote antagonist of those seasons more than this one. I was like, yeah, I guess, but, eh. but there are some really funny moments. I I mean, laughing out loud, a lot more development with BJ's character, um, stuff with Judy and as well as the development in both um, uh, Kelvin and um, and uh, Keith's storyline as well as Jesse and Eli's storyline. They do develop, they do dive in a lot of their storylines and a lot of, you know, baby Billy as well as um, you know, um, his wife and really it's, it, they do a good job of really kind of like oh, Amy Lee, they do a job of kind of developing their kind of storylines a little bit more but it just kind of feels a little flat at times. It kind of feels like they're kind of like dragging it out a little bit to the very end of the season. And i was surprised to only dropped the last two seasons of the se- uh, last two episodes of the season together last Sunday. I was like, huh, they, they should do week by- weekly, weekly, release. So I'm like, maybe they're trying to get it out and like, Hey, make get out because of the strike or get out. Know, hey, we're just, we're done with the season. We're moving on to the next one. Cause it was renewed for season four. Again, overall a great season. If you're a fan, again, basically them sounds about tell Venge's family again, who was wealthy and the lot going on. You know, you know, you're powerful. You create, you create a lot of enemies. And I highly recommend hit the show for sure. But definitely watch uh, Reg, um, Vice Principals as well as Eastbound and Down because all three of them have this kind of damage bride, David Gordon Green, Jodie Hill, which is his partners. They're kind of stamp on each in each in each on each series. So for sure, watch the show. It's hilarious. It's a lot of funny, great acting. Great character relationships, great humor, a lot of dark moments, violent at times for sure. Very violent. Even Vice Principal was pretty violent as well as Eastbound and Down, but it showed that I highly recommend. I think Dan McBride is very kind of like clever. I think he's a great writer. I think he, he directs and writes all, all most of the shows with, with his partners at, at his production company, David Gordon Green and Jody Hill. So, for sure, watch this show. But, yeah, I was kind of disappointed as a fan. Again, it was a good season, but I kind of wish they did more. But I am looking forward to season four, which is coming out, who knows when. Maybe when the strike's over. But, yeah, definitely a big fan of Nick Bride. So, I recommend both. Both the Clone, the Clone Tyrone and uh Righteous Gemstones. Both shows I think you would both everyone would enjoy it. during the time when we're kind of running out of content to watch on streaming. All right. And, yeah, guys, you know, it's... August now, you know, we've had a summer of ups and downs with movies and shows. I think um, you know, we got uh, we got Strays is coming out. Again, Strays coming out in a few weeks. We got Grant Turismo coming out. That's about it. Blue Beetle, unfortunately, coming out. but I think I'm hearing hearing things. It's going to be a big flop, unfortunately, which again, I do like that actor a lot. Um, And then it's nothing. It's going to be I think Equalizer 3, which I'm I'm hyped for. I love Denzel. I love Antoine Fuqua. I love that franchise coming out September 1st. But in the meantime, yeah, doesn't come out really too much on theaters. But, you know, Barbie and Oppenheimer are killing it at the box office, which is really cool. Uh, both have both made so much money their opening weekends and then their second weekends. That's much a big of a drop. So I think those two are going to hold out the box office for a while, if you ask me, because nothing crazy is coming out for a while. So support your local cinema, support your theaters. You know, we need it right now. Go see Barbie again. Go see Oppenheimer again. Um, I'm trying to see Oppenheimer again back in the one, four, three IMAX out here in Phoenix, but it's like sold out for weeks. Like everyone tries to see the movie more and more. So it's really cool to see that because it's impossible to get a ticket now. Cause it's so like hot, so demand, but you know, with streaming too, I mean, what's coming on streaming soon? I don't know. Actually, I mean, I have been following it as much. I see something new. Like I'll watch it, but that too, you know, with both strikes going on, they're going, both strikes are going strong right now. They're try, trying to figure out a way to compromise with the studios um but yeah so support your local cinema guys support your local theater again go see barbie again go see oppenheimer go see whatever it, 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 it's indie again or whatever's playing right now you know like, theaters need it um you know i think it can be kind of a snooze fest for us of the summer but who knows maybe grand trees was good hopefully, hopefully strays is good i can't wait to see it next week next week at the screening Again, I love will Ferrell. I love uh jimmy fox so hype for that, but... Okay, also go see Ninja Turtles. You know, I saw this last... or well, the weekend on, on, on a screening. I'll have my full review on this full week's episode of the Genre of Your Life podcast with Joe uh, and the boys, um, Nick and Moses, but um, very fun movie, too. If you're a Ninja Turtle fan, you're going to love this movie, but now, right now, it's Ninja Turtles, Turismo, Blue Beetle, and um, Stray, so hopefully... The box office can survive a bit more until we get into the you know fall season, but even then, you know with the delays going on, Dune might get pet, might get pushed. I'm, I'm really excited about that. I can't wait for Dune Part Two, but who knows? So support your theaters, guys. Hope you have a, hope you have a great summer. Hope you're staying cool, like I said. And we will see you next time. Take care.